KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Do you ever take a moment and think of the enormity of the impact you've had? I do. Born at the right time. Because I don't, I don't think it would have happened if I was born five or ten years earlier. And five or ten years later, I don't know if I would have been a good enough athlete to compete with those kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The game changed so fast. And our guest this week is Deirdre Kane, longtime Westchester women's basketball coach, phenomenal women's basketball coach at Westchester University who retired in 2014. Thanks so much for coming in. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. So how has retirement treated you? Uh, retirement is wonderful. I truly have a hard time understanding those that don't like retirement. Uh, my time is my own. Uh, we live at the beach. We spend a couple months in Florida in the winter. It's Life is good. Now, your name came up because you were you're set to be inducted into the Westchester Hall of Athletics Hall of Fame come September. What does that mean to you? Um, to give you an idea, I cried when I got the phone call. Uh, Westchester represents my life's work and to be appreciated by that institution. Uh, when I coached there, a big joke was that many of the coaches went there and I didn't go there. And I always felt, gosh, I wish I did the way things turned out for me. So to be inducted in their Athletics Hall of Fame is really meaningful to me. It was touching. You've got quite the career arc. Uh, I knew some of it. I learned more of it as I was putting this together. But let's start growing up. Athletics, huge part of your life. It looks like you played all different kinds of sports, right? Absolutely. And I grew up not too far from here in South Philly till I was 11 years old. And uh, you know, I think it was before the time when people started making a fuss about the girls playing with the boys, you know. I played down at the wreck at 4th and Shunk with Shuey let me play baseball with the boys and uh, learned to swim in that swimming pool down there and lived right across the street from a schoolyard where, you know, it didn't matter if I was on the shirts or skins when I was only eight or nine years old. And uh, it was just a wonderful place to grow up, South Philadelphia. And we moved to Jersey. And you went to Paul the Sixth, correct? Yes. But before I went to Paul the Sixth, I went to a little elementary school called Our Lady of Grace and moved in December 8th. Immaculate Conception, I didn't even miss a day of school. <laughs> and immediately went up to the nun. I know it's late, sister, but, you know, can I have a tryout for the girls' basketball team? Because I was a starter as a sixth grader on my Our Lady of Mount Carmel team. And she said, oh, my child, we don't have a team for the girls. We only have a team for the boys. And that's when the hammer hit me over the head and I started realizing things. So, uh it was rough. I wanted to move back to Philly. My mom took off a day of work and went in and said, how can you not have a team for the girls? So by seventh grade, we had a team for the <laughs> girls. So I only missed that half a semester. You played all kinds of sports. Was basketball always at the top of the depth chart? I think so, because it was uh, the first one, you know, that I really played. Literally out my front door and across the street was a playground uh, with a hoop. And so it was the first one I played. But I did fall in love with baseball and then softball because that was available down the wreck and the pool. I mean, the swimmies, as we called it, down at the at Fourth and Shunk. I, I fell in love with that, too. But and then when I got to high school, my high school coach is like, you need to do something in the fall. And my choices were cross country or field hockey. And that's when I picked up field hockey, which I also loved. So. So basketball at Paul the Sixth. When. Do you start to realize it's more than just fun, that you're pretty good at this and you might be able, this might be something you might want to focus on? Um, 
I don't I don't think I did. Really? I think my focus got spread out when um I learned how to play field hockey. I was like, this is really fun too. And then we started a track team and I always had a good arm, so I threw the javelin and actually medaled in the state meet and the javelin and so it was just it was all fun. There was no pressure then, there was no scholarships, you know. Uh, but we were successful, and that made it even more fun. Uh, I don't think basketball was something I realized I wanted to go on in until, uh, you know, I was offered my first coaching job. I, I continued to play all three. At Dayton, I played field hockey, basketball, and softball. That's amazing wow. when you think, I mean, because we see everything in the prism of today, trying oh, yeah. to play three sports at that level. It, it was a hundred years ago, first of all. Uh, so very, very different. It couldn't. It could not be done now. Um, you know, there's so much work in the off season. In fact, when I first started working at Westchester, I was still I was a Division One field hockey official and did college. You know, field hockey. I couldn't even continue doing that because the demands in the fall and you know the demands in the off season as a coach at the Division Two level, mm-hmm. even back in the nineties. So it can't be done today. The sad thing is, though, is when they make young kids pick a sport. Right. Because that, I think, is just leading to so many overuse injuries and, quote, burnout. Yeah. And, you know. I feel like we're starting to maybe turn the corner on that a little bit because there's so much pushback. People saying, let the kids play as many sports as they want. They don't need to be exactly. a superstar at nine in one sport. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I even think high school's too early. I think there's room for multi-sport athletes in the high school level. But – you know, it's big money now, the scholarships that are out there, and I don't blame parents, but realistic. They need to be realistic. Yeah. So you mentioned Dayton. You go to Dayton, and the amazing thing about Dayton, you're the first full scholarship female student athlete at Dayton. Am I correct? Well, I would like to say I was the first full, but it was just – it was a, an amount of money. Okay. So you were the first to, to get any – To receive money for – For athletics. For athletics, Yes. Did you realize the magnitude of that at the time? No, I really didn't. I was grateful because it, it, I, once I got that chunk of money, I didn't have to borrow anything. Okay. You know, the rest was all covered by other things. And uh, I was like, this is great. You know, I don't have to borrow. So I was very grateful. The woman who had donated the money was actually at the banquet where it was announced, and it completely caught me by surprise. And I think being a three-sport athlete um, had a lot to do with it because how do you pick the first, is it going to be a basketball player? Is it going to be a field hockey player? Is it going to be this? But here was somebody that had decent grades and played all three sports. Well, we'll give it to her since she's the first. You know, it was more like a, um, you know, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, like a, a symbol, you know, a symbolic gesture. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now we're going to start dealing with women on the scholarship side. Because it was only four years after, three years after Title IX was passed. So when did... When did it click with you what you were a part of with that? Was it once you kind of start to coach or was it once you're in school? Well, when I was still in school and like they made a fuss about it, like not only did was it in the flyer news, you know, the campus right. newspaper, all of a sudden it's in the Dayton Daily News. And then it's in because I was from this area. It was in the Philadelphia Daily News and the Bulletin and the Inquirer, you know. Kids that went to Dayton say, would come home to this area and say, hey, I saw you in the paper. That's pretty cool. And so it started to dawn on me. But, you know, then I went back for my senior year and just played it out. But it really dawned on me when the Al Carino Basketball Club and the Courier Post called me in that spring and told me they had um, selected me as their first female college player of the year. 
and flew me home. Like they paid <laughs> for my airfare to come home. And, uh, you know, I went to the banquet and made a speech. And that's when a priest came up to me and said, hey, you should be in coaching. And the amazing thing is coaching wasn't on your rate. You wanted to be a vet. I did. I did. And, you know, it still stings me that there were <laughs> only 17 veterinary schools in the country at that time. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a big field for women at that time, as many other things weren't. And uh, I didn't get in, you know, and I thought I was a shoe in My grades were good. My standardized testing was good. But I did not get in. And the priest said to me, actually, his quote was, too bad you're going to be a vet. He said, I think I'd hire you right now as a teacher and a coach. I said, Father, you can't believe everything you read in those newspapers. <laughs> you know, that Carrier Post had me signed, sealed, and delivered to vet school when really I hadn't heard yet. And uh, he actually did hire me. And this was Gloucester Catholic? Yeah. Yeah. Father Brennan. Just wrote to him last week because he got inducted in Camden Catholics Hall of Fame. Okay. So what's that? When you decide to take the job, was it a, I don't want to say tough transition because sports were such a part of it, but how much was your heart set on veterinary school? Did you look at this as, well, I guess, or were you immediately able to get excited that you could stay in athletics? I, I wasn't excited yet. I worked a couple camps that summer, both field hockey and basketball, and I was like, you know, this is kind of fun. And I liked the people I was around. You know, I, I was around a, a lot of guys, too, and, you know, women, mostly a mixed bag, but guys. And um, it was just a lot of fun. You know, it was a, a crew you could work camp with and then head over and have a couple beers afterwards. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I could get into this lifestyle. And uh, Father Brennan hired me as head field hockey, assistant basketball, and assistant softball. So he was getting a bargain. Right. But my own father said, don't take the teaching job. He said, go back to school, get certified to teach. That way, if you like this, it will open up other doors. You don't have to just stay in a Catholic school if that's not what you want to do. So when do you start to hone in on basketball as a coaching? Father Brennan left Gloucester Catholic. I went back. I got certified to teach. I'm teaching biology. He had me as a teacher, true to his word. I'm teaching algebra two. <laughs> which I'm certified science K through 12, but I'm teaching algebra two and algebra. And uh, he gets transferred to Camden Catholic. And he says, come with me. I'm, at, I'm only at Gloucester Catholic two years. And um, he said, you'll be head basketball coach over there. I was only assist right. assistant to a great guy. I learned a lot about, a lot from. And uh, I was like, oh, it was so hard for me to leave. After two years, I didn't want to leave. I felt loyalty to those kids. I'm still in touch with a lot of them today. And he said, you can't stay where kids are. They're going to be gone in four years yeah. anyway. And he said, come where the opportunity is. I think the opportunity is going to be in basketball for you. And my own father told me the same thing. So off I went to Camden Catholic, and I wasn't coaching field hockey at all. That's when I got into officiating field hockey, no softball. That's when I honed in on basketball at Camden Catholic. How long as a basketball coach, how many years in, did you start to really think – I'm pretty good at this. Um, I felt like I was good at coaching right away because I had them all fooled. Those <laughs> those women now, you know, they they thought I was straight laced and never had a beer, and uh, you know, I wore the kilts and the and uh, you know, I'm friends with them now, and they were like, "We thought you were like 35 years old," and I was 21. Yeah. You know, so I knew I I could fool the kids, and um, I just liked it right away. And Gloucester Catholic is not a field hockey school, but we started <laughs> to have a little bit of success. And then with basketball, we had mucho success. The two years I were there, we were state champs. So that's unbelievable to yeah. coach state, you know, as an assistant. And then at Camden Catholic, I really felt like we turned it around. 
Um, by my third year there, we were in the state final, 24 and 6. It was great. I, I felt really confident then that I was good at it. And, and I, was, I was naked at it, if you know what I mean. I was raw emotion uh, without, you know, without being horrible. I never screamed and yelled. That's not at least not that I remember. Maybe at practice more than in a game. But kids saw me cry. Kids saw my passion in another way that was different from – and it worked. So I really enjoyed it. Thought I would retire from Camden Catholic. So you make – is it Camden Catholic to Salisbury? Yeah. But How does that come together? Yeah, well, I was pregnant that last year at Camden Catholic and having great success. Teaching science is what I wanted to teach. Really thought I was reti- going to retire mm-hmm. from there. My husband gets transferred to the eastern shore of Maryland as his territory – so I go down with a three-week-old baby, craziness. I knew nothing about babies. <laughs> and um, my, and, you know, I'm homesick, and I didn't really want to leave my job, but I got it. His job was paying a lot more than my job was. So one day he says, why don't you walk over to that college and just see who the basketball coach is and volunteer or just, you know, tell her you are going to be a stay-at-home mom, but you want to volunteer. So I said, okay, and I walked over. You know, honestly, Sean was only about – month and a half old. And I brought my dog with me, you know. We walk in and she happened to be there. It's summer. And her name was Mary Una Morrison. I'll never forget her. She was from Savannah, Georgia. She had a real Southern accent. And she says to me, oh, is this your baby? Is this – it couldn't have been kinder, more polite, Southern genteel. And um, we just started chatting and she said, well, I actually have a position. So she hired me as an assistant coach right then and there on the spot. And, um, you know, $2,500, but at least I was getting something. Right. I felt connected again. She was so nice, but I was terribly homesick that first summer. How was the experience at Salisbury? Because you eventually became head coach? In two years. Two years. Um, Mary Una Morrison, as I said, was a gracious, wonderful woman and, uh, you know, an older woman and really hadn't played the modern game, and but so secure with herself that she kind of let me do more and more and more. And after two years, she said, look, she said, you, you belong as the head coach. I'm going to step back and just teach, and they'll hire you. And it was a smooth transition. She couldn't have been more wonderful about it. And uh, I became head coach in two years. I was like 28 years old, 29 years old. How Part-time wa- still. Right. How had you grown as a coach here to where you're coaching college as a head coach from your high school games? Or were you pretty much— you know, the same, firing the same bullets you were in high school. I feel like on the court I was firing the same bullets, but I had a whole lot to learn about recruiting. About And I'm in Maryland, you know, right. an area I don't know. And the out-of-state tuition, I did get a lot of kids from Jersey, um, you know, and this area. But I, I really had to learn the whole geograph- geography and, you know, where the high schools were and who had the good programs. So I was over in Baltimore all the time. And uh, so that part, that piece of it, and sitting down and talking to parents – I'd like that till the day I retire. Mm-hmm. I can still do that. You know, um, that was the easy part for me. Um, no, I think I pretty much attacked on the court pretty much the same way as I did at Gloucester Catholic and Camden Catholic. So I think next was Swarthmore, correct? Yes. So is that something where the life situation allowed you guys to move back? Or how does how do you make that move? Again, following my husband, Tim, uh, you know, his he was the breadwinner, and that was fine by me. And we both wanted to come back to the Philadelphia area. Salisbury's a lovely area, uh, but, you know, we're, we're Philadelphia. Home, right. Exactly. We're Philadelphians. Our family's here. Uh, you know, we met in Ohio, but he was from Philly, too. So, mm-hmm. so we came back here, 
And um, again, I was like, well, you know, maybe I should see. And I saw Swarthmore open up Division Three, same as well, AIAW probably. No, Division Three by then. And um, I just went over there and applied and got the job. Again, part-time. And it was a bit of a commute. We were living out in Chester County. But, you know, it wasn't that bad. I had great neighbors. It was a way to meet people. We lived in a cul-de-sac with a bunch of little kids. And, you know, it was great for Sean and Tim and myself living in Chester County. And at this point, do you know that that coaching is what you're going to do? No. Still not, huh? No. No. You know, because it wasn't full-time. Okay. We only had one child. You know, were we going to have more? We weren't sure about that yet. And, you know, I was part-time. I, You know, that wasn't going to do for the rest of our time. So I really didn't. And then Penn called and offered me a full-time position. That's when I started scratching my head. I'm like, full-time? Like the salary was more than I was making teaching and coaching on the high school level. Benefits. If my kid wants to go to the Ivy League, he's going to get free tuition if he can get in. You know, I'm like, whoa. That's when it hit me over the head. This is something that I want to get into. And that was a great year. Uh, really opened my eyes. I mean, to recruit out on the West Coast, to mm-hmm. go all over the place, to see all the Ivy League schools, to see basketball played, and you know, continuing to learn how to handle college age women. Well, Swarthmore was really my baptism in how to hand a very cerebral who you know needed to miss a class because she was putting right. an engine together and <laughs> had to be there. You know. So it was very, very, very different, you know, the that level. But it prepared me for Penn as well. And I was an assistant at Penn. Right. And you've really developed all different types of coaching experiences here. Like, Oh, yeah. Do, do you realize at the time, like, the different worlds you've had or the things you've had hands in as, as far as when it comes to eventually getting your own program, how many – how you've learned to – you talk about the cerebral and, and all this different stuff. No, I, I don't think I realized it. You know, you're you're in your 30s, you're stumbling along through life and uh, just taking what comes along. And I probably realized that after I was at Westchester like 10 years and it became an asset to me. I'm like, like trying to get a film exchange into the uh, PSAC. Like I'm there and I'm like, what do you mean you're still on the road re- scouting opponents? This is dangerous. We're driving around mountain roads in January and the Ivy League have been doing that for years, you know. You each, out of courtesy, send videos of mm-hmm. what games they request. And obviously that's not even necessary anymore with everything being streamed. But that was a big deal then. So to put all those pieces together, yeah, I realized it when I was at Westchester for a while. But I'm I'm grateful for all the different levels that I was on. So when you get hired at Westchester, you get hired as the head coach? Right away? Yes. Uh, what happened was um, that year at Penn, as wonderful as it was, uh, my mother passed away that year. I'm, uh, I'm the baby of a big family. Um, so I felt like I didn't have enough. I didn't play my part enough. I didn't see her enough as she was failing. I would come home from a road trip, like on the bus from Cornell and ride over to Jersey before I got home mm-hmm. out to Chester County to make sure I could see her and everything. And our son was in kindergarten, and I missed a lot of things. And I was like, whoa, this is great. But you know what? This is a lifestyle. Division One is a lifestyle. And that was at the Ivies. Right. You know, and when Westchester opened up, I was like, let me apply. First of all, it's so much closer to where we were living, and it's Division Two. Recruiting was only regional. I was going to be the first full-time coach in their history. And – um I applied, and yeah, I was hired as the head coach. We have to take a break right now on One on One. We will have more with Deirdre Kane right after this. 
I'm Matt Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called One on One with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen. And we're back here on One on One. Our guest, former Westchester University women's basketball coach Deirdre Kane. When you get hired and you talk about, you know, Sean's in kindergarten and it's close to home. Do you look at that as a position at that time in your life? Like this goes well, I'm going to be here a while or because I know at that age, I wasn't necessarily thinking like that. Were you thinking? No, because I certainly would have chosen a different retirement plan. (laughs) I had no idea I was going to. And I had come from a private school. So they're like, what do you want? Do you want PSERS or TIA CREF? And I'm like, I'm 32. Like, what is retirement, right. you know? And uh, so they were like, oh, you're from Penn. We'll put you in TIA, CREF. And it worked out for me. But it would have worked out better had I chosen the <laughs> other one, you know. But once you choose, you're in right. that path. So, no, I had no idea I was going to stay there. And look back. It was like my fifth job in five years. Right. You know, I was at Camden Catholic, Salisbury, Swarthmore, Penn, and now I'm at Westchester in a five-year period. So I was like, no, there's no way, you know. I, I probably thought I was going to retire from Tennessee or Connecticut, you know. Everybody does. One of those yeah. places. Not even Connecticut. They weren't even on the map at that time yet. So when do you start to really settle in there and start to think, all right, I'm going to – I don't know if I'm going to retire here, but this is going to be home for a while. It must have been early on because I never applied for another job. And I had a couple people call, you know, and I'm like, no, no, this is 12 miles from home. I can run over and see my son's baseball games and this and that. And, you know, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then once you're there, 10 years, 12 Mm -hmm. years, now you start thinking, oh, once we got into the union, that made a really big difference. And I was on the negotiation team for that. Very, very proud of that. And, you know, my father hopefully would be proud. He was a union guy. And, um once that happened, and now I'm starting to look at the finish line, you know, now I'm starting to look like, whoa, I can retire after I'm here 25 years, you know, which I probably would have if that ugly downturn didn't happen in the economy. Right. But it was fine to go 27 years instead of 25 years. And you mentioned the union because you helped negotiate, if I'm, and correct me if I'm incorrect, the, the first union contract for all the coaches, all sports in the Pennsylvania State Athletic correct. Conference, correct? Correct. Was that something that how did you get into the 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 labor side of it was it something that had always interested you and you always wanted to get a hand in or was it did a situation arrive where you wanted to to write something you were thought was wrong how did it come about okay uh, i was interested in stuff like that all my life as i said my father being you know involved in stuff like that with the oil companies in mm-hmm. philadelphia but um i really was recruited into it by rocky reese the football coach at shippensburg uh, who was a Westchester grad, and we got to know each other. And he said, we need a woman, and we need a basketball coach. And the thing was is we really advocated, and it's hard to say this, football coaches, they're taken care of pretty well. Men's basketball coaches are taken care of pretty well. And because women's basketball is so comparable to men's, we're taken care of pretty well. The rest of the coaches, not so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, baseball coaches, soccer coaches, Women field hockey, they're coaching field hockey and lacrosse back in the day. Two sports. That's crazy. You never heard of a man doing that, you know, or a men's sport. So it there was a lot of injustice for people who I felt it was better if I was their voice because it didn't seem as selfish. 
you know, even in some of the things we negotiated wound up costing me more, like the way we negotiated our health care wound up costing me more, but it was more beneficial for the other coaches of, quote, the non-revenue sports. But let's face it, on Division Two, we're all non-revenue right. sports. You know, we don't come out in the plus side. So, yeah, it really was a sense of injustice, and I felt like I could really help them. And, uh, you know, it's scary. You don't know if that's going to help end your career. But I felt secure enough to do it, too, and I think Rocky realized that. He was secure enough at SHIP. I was secure enough at Westchester. And um, I also – I feel – I can negotiate without being adversarial, and I think that was a, a real plus to our committee. How long into your Westchester career was this? We started in the mid-90s, late-90s, I guess. So that was like 13 years right, I've so been you, there. So you're yeah. a well-established brand, yeah. for lack of a, a better <laughs> at, yes. at Westchester. Yes, that's... but still expendable. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at – and I'll use the word legacy – there's your basketball legacy, the wins, the kids you've mentored and, and stuff like that. But that's – I don't think a lot of people have dual legacies like that where you, you. Help, you help change lives for other coaches. Well, and I think that coaches chose to stay not only at Westchester but at Clarion, at Stroudsburg, at Millersville. It was for the whole state system. And I think they chose to stay where they would have moved on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a period of time we went through like six women's soccer coaches in six years because they were good. And Westchester women's soccer is still good. But, you know, they weren't going to stay without the promise of these benefits and this salary and retirement and driving vans. You know, it was put in our first contract that we didn't have to drive vans if we didn't want to. Who would want to drive a van through snow and ice to East Stroudsburg in January? You know, with 15 – lives in the back so stuff like that um and to enable people to stay i feel like it affected and it wasn't just me we had a lot of great people on that negotiations team rocky just passed suddenly this december i was out there for his memorial service but uh we owe a lot to him and yes i appreciate you acknowledging the dual legacy and i tried to impart that to my players too because sometimes strikes were looming and they were like coach would you do that i said absolutely I said, there are things bigger in this world than a basketball game. And when you start to realize that, maybe you'll play a little more relaxed and start making your free throws. <laughs> so let's talk basketball at Westchester. It was 400, I got it written down here, 447 wins at Westchester. When I, I say that number to you and you think back over your career, are there a couple that race to the top of the greatest memories as far as games are concerned? You know, everybody asks me that question. So I should really go back and just prepare an answer (laughs) because they really don't. I mean, I was just as happy, you know, to win. I think when we did end our season on a win, not many people end their season on a win. Right. Because if you're good, you're going to the playoffs and you're going to the NCAA tournament unless you win the national championship. But back in the day, they were only taking four Division II women's teams from each region. And we had a pretty good year. We had won 23 games. We were 23-5, and five, and we didn't get a bid because we didn't get the automatic. And the team that got the automatic got shipped down south anyway, Bloomsburg. And so w- there was an ECAC tournament, and there still is. It's mm-hmm. lost some of its luster now that they take more teams to the NCAA tournament. But our boss, you know, our AD let us go to the ECAC, and we got to host it. And so we won the ECAC, and that put us up to 25-5, and five, which is a nice round number, and to end your season on a win. And those kids were pretty special because the kids that were seniors that year were my first recruiting class. Okay. 
Yes. It was the 92. We right. did that. So I think that I remember because as you get older, you wax nostalgic. But then the first time we made the NCAA tournament, you know, to get there and, you know, we never won the whole PSAC. We won the PSAC East several times, but the PSAC West is tough, tough, tough. tough. Rugged. And every sport. Yep. And it's it's funded it's funded differently right. than the East is. I'm sure you know that yeah. from talking to Bill Swan. And, yeah. and what he's done is just amazing. Yes, it is. With the amount of scholarship money he gets compared to what those Western schools are getting. He's like, when he came, you know, so many coaches at Westchester, but, you know, he, he helped prolong my career, you know. And our athletic director, Dr. Matikovic, the stability, and my young assistant, she was awesome. She's the head coach now. So, you know, it was just no one win sticks out. Maybe except for that one because we ended our season on a win. I want you to ring your own bell here. Why were you so good? I think because I was real. I think that I never tried to fool kids. I never tried to be something I wasn't. I never tried to be the taskmaster. If any of my evaluations had a bad point, like some athletic directors um, said I was a little too soft a little too kind to the girls. I could have gotten more out of them, maybe gotten over that hump and beat the teams in the West, you know. And I you can't yeah, I think you gotta be true to yourself. If you are that kind of person and kids know it and kids realize it, like Gino, God bless him, he's that kind of person and his players are loyal to him and love him and I'm a big fan. So it's not that, but it's a totally different approach. You know? And maybe as I got older it became a motherly approach. But when I was young, I was like their sister. And uh you know, it was all rose-colored glasses to me, you know. And I really did use that line so many times. This is a basketball game. People are dying in wars and there's third-world countries. And I just – I tried to minimize it because most of the kids I got, they maximized it. Mm-hmm. They were D2 and they wanted to prove they should be D1 and they just went all out. And if anything, I just tried to bring them – calm them down. How did your style as a coach or even your X's and O's – adjust over the years oh i went crazy at the end well you were running line changes yes, at the I, end, was. You? yes <laughs> I was and the reason i went crazy is because i said i gotta find a way you know our top five players might not be as good as the top five players at cal or edinburgh or iup but i think our top 10 players are better than their top 10 players and i looked into it that grinnell system right. Uh, except subbing every three minutes didn't work for me. I would love to be there now. I was thinking about this because now they switched quarters. Yes. And so there's a timeout at every five, and that's the perfect time to sub, Mm -hmm. you know. So I I felt like it was successful. The second five kids or the kids that perceived themselves at the second five kids, they loved it. Their parents loved it. The people that perceived themselves as the first five kids, their parents, not so much, not so much. But they hung with me. But Kiara didn't stick with it after I left, which is fine. It's her team. That's why I moved away. So I wouldn't be in the stands <laughs> looking over and seeing what she's doing. Um, but, yeah, I went with it. I think it was uh, – I still think it has a lot of merit. I'd like to see somebody try it again. Yeah. I think you'd see much more substitution now in basketball than you ever did. But, yeah, I was absolutely doing the line change thing. Yeah, because I, I did a couple of your games when you played – Well, Phil now, you, now Jefferson, Jefferson yep. Textile. Yeah. Uh, and, you know – when we say a line change, you would just roll the next five to the mm-hmm. scorer's table, and at the you know at the certain point, timeout, yep. the next five would come in. It was fascinating. It was really yeah. a, a cool way to – and like you said, you were deep enough where – and those kids really wanted it. And to yes. get a, a group that could play together like that and know they had their time, it, yeah. that's big. 
but the downfall of it was um, I think if I'd stayed there longer and recruited kids and they all bought into it, but the kids who really thought they would be starting, they, they felt cheated. They felt, okay, it's my turn to start now. And coaches putting this crazy system in, you know, and I tried to explain it to them. I was doing what I thought gave us the best chance to go to the next level. You know, yes, it's great to win 20 games. It's yes, it's great to win the PSAC East or compete for that. But, you know, make the NCAA tournament. Like my whole time there, we won one game in the NCAA tournament. You know, but to go to the next level, I thought we needed to do something drastic. So I tried it. It was fun. So was the play, and you mentioned, you kind of alluded to this, that uh, with regards to retirement, that the economy in, you know, 07, 08 goes off a cliff and changes things. But did you have... How long before you actually retired were you starting to put the plan in that ah, this might be maybe not specifically this season, but I'm getting close to the. Oh, I knew. And I talked to Kiara with that. You know, Kiara's good. Yes. I would have never been able to keep her that long. 11 years. Now, she's a homebody like I was, too. And, you know, she's got kids. This is Kiara Wooden. Yes. Kiara Wooden. Sorry. Yes. The current head coach at Westchester. I mean, she was awesome. And if I didn't have a plan in place, I would have lost her. And rightfully so. And, uh, you know, she had uh, interviewed, I told her to interview around, make sure she gets that experience. And she had offers, but she wanted to stay near her mom, you know, her son, her husband, you know, they were all right there. She's a Wilmington person. So it was a plan and play. And I'm a planner. I am a long range planner. I'll show you my calendar before I leave. (laughs) You know, I host the Dayton reunion on August 24th. It's all set up already. It's so I knew I knew I was I was thinking it would be 2012. And, um, you know, when the economy tanked, it wasn't going to be possible. I needed to wait a little longer. So build that up a little more. So 2014 was perfect. But then I started getting because I was loving the five in, five out. I was loving the kids. We had a really good group. I mean, we had two kids that broke the school record in scoring in one class, uh, Dallas Ely and Brittany Szynski. And they broke Keisha Mack's scoring record. So it was a really good class. But then – Amy and Sean told me, uh, my son and his wife, that they were expecting. And 2014 brought my first grandchild along. So I was definitely available to help out there because <laughs> Amy's from far away. So I was definitely available to help out. And that was awesome to have that time. What was the – so I think it was August, if I remember correctly, the announcement was August yes. of 2014. So what's that October, that first – in October, November of 2014, like well, as I said, I'm a planner. So we put our house for sale Mother's Day weekend. Okay. Prior, and it sold by Sunday. Friday it went online, and it sold by Sunday, and we didn't have a house yet. <laughs> but we had decided we actually have property in North Carolina. That anybody wants to buy a lot in North Carolina, a mile from the ocean on a beautiful golf course, let me know. Uh, once we found out we were going to be grandparents, you know, I could not go to North right. Carolina. So it was like an about face and we knew we wanted to be by the ocean and we wound up buying, you know, near the Jersey Shore, uh, Cape May Courthouse to be exact. And um, so, yeah, that October – Sean was born, Sean Michael. Kane was born uh, October 6th. So that all happened. We moved Labor Day weekend. Who moves to the shore on Labor Day weekend? (laughs) So we moved. All that happened. So I didn't have time to think. You know, but I did. October 15th, I was like, oh, you know. Um, and what I missed was the extra excitement, you know, like even now when a Friday rolls around, you know, I used to get real excited on Fridays. Now, like what's a weekend? What's right. a Friday? Like Monday's just as good as Friday, you know? <laughs> so you miss that little bit of a rush, but um, I was too busy. 
with with life, you know, moving grandchild. So I, I didn't I didn't mope, if that's what you mean. I don't remember moping at yeah. all or feeling sad at all. I just I know when it's such a part of your life yeah. and then the first time it's not. You know, because we all are going to retire, hopefully, yes. on our terms and stuff like that. And I mean, I wonder, you know, I'm still 20 years away, but what's it going to be like that first time I'm not supposed to come in? I'm not expected yeah. to come in. And you I know, thought it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, someone, um, Jim Stinger Jr. posted a uh, picture of his daughter at Kiara Wooden's camp today. And it was adorable. And she's the granddaughter of my assistant coach who coached me, Jim Stinger, who coached me with uh, Kiera, who coached Kiera with me. And when I saw that picture, I was like, oh, it's Stinger's granddaughter. And let me retweet that and put like how much I love this. And then I tweeted that. And then I said, but I'm glad I'm not at camp today. <laughs> and I mean, I loved the camp. Once I got into it, the little kids were so cute. But it's time. Time passes. Things change. And, you know, I'm at peace with that. It was always about the relationships for me. And I feel like I still have them, you know. So when you look back, you know, we talk about the importance you had with the union. We talk about the the importance you have as the first female scholarship athlete, the success as a woman. Do you ever take a moment and think of the enormity of the impact you've had? I do. Born at the right time. Because I don't I don't think it would have happened if I was born five or 10 years earlier and five or 10 years later, I don't know if I would have been a good enough athlete to compete with those kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The game changed so fast. So it was, you know, a happenstance of birth being in the right place at the right time and, and never being shy about taking an opportunity. And, you know, a lot like that. I think of my older sister, her birthday was yesterday and I, I still feel Peggy Kane is her name. Ten, You know, I married someone with the same last name. My maiden name was Kane. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the chances? I don't know. And I but met how him. much easier is the paperwork? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely easier. Definitely easier. And I met him in Dayton, Ohio. And he was a Cardinal O'Hara boy, you know, so. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, my sister's name is Peggy Kane. And she was all that in a bag of chips. Great athlete. Um, played in the industrial leagues here that they had for women. But her birthday was yesterday. She'll kill me. But she was 78 yesterday. She did not have the opportunities I had. And, um. One year I spoke at the Catholic League banquet and they had told me what they wanted me to touch on and what I wanted to do. I said, listen, can I bring my sister and will you have an extra all-Catholic award? Because she was captain of St. Marie Goretti in 1958-59 and they were awesome, you know, probably second place in the Catholic League. She would have been all-Catholic for sure, but they didn't have that. So I had her there and in making a point to the kids and what they get now, I called her up and gave her an all-Catholic award. So I know I'm so grateful of the women that went before me and, and the men that let me play, that it didn't matter, you know, that I was a girl and they didn't have girls softball down at the wreck so I could play with the boys. You know, so, yeah, very grateful and, and just thrilled. Title IX has been very good to me. Deirdre Kane, thanks so much for coming in. This was great. Thank you, Matt. It was great. I could sit here and talk all day. I guess you can see that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And episode 15 is in the books. One-on-one is a sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show, want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks once again to former Westchester University women's basketball coach Deirdre Kane for joining us this week. You can follow Coach Kane on Twitter at Back to Jersey. I'm Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.